Hi listeners, I'm Lisa, the founder of Maxine VR and the host of Maximize Mental Health. This podcast is for Gen Z and everyone who wants to talk about mental health, struggles and everyday problems. Every week we're inviting guests who are sharing their personal stories. Join us for casual conversations between our co-hosts Barbara and Ryan and our weekly guests who are breaking taboos and stigma around mental health. Welcome to Maximize Mental Health. Hello everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Maximize podcast for Gen Z, the podcast of Maxim VR. I'm your host, Ryan Michael Hennon, joined here today by Adam Brennan, formerly of ThinkFit, and like me, fellow QB Psych alumni. Um, welcome, Adam. How are you? I'm very, very well, thank you, Ryan. It's great to be here. Great to have you, great to have you. So I guess get straight into it. What, um, obviously, as I mentioned there, you know, we're both graduate psychology at Queen's. What got you there to study in psychology in the first place? What advanced experiences kind of took you there? I wish I could say that I came from a lifelong passion and interest in all the great psychologists that came before me. But it was actually because my mum was a counselling psychologist and I left my UCAS deadline up until two days beforehand. So... In a moment of panic and passion, I decided, you know what, I'm going to try and blast out a UCAS form and decided to go with psychology under her recommendation. And three years later, I walked away with a degree in it and absolutely loved it. Brilliant. Brilliant. That is a very, very interesting um, story there. Like, and lots of people are like, uh, some of them interviewed before, it's like, well, I had this deep drive. Do you understand kind of like the inner workings of the human mind? But no, it's just a last minute kind of <laughs> hopeful kind yeah. of. Yeah. Absolutely. Like a lot of my decisions just won it in school, won it in uni. And I was just like, you know what? Psychology sounds pretty interesting. My mom loved it and she ranted and raved about it. And I would have a lot of similar interests with her. So I just thought, right, I'll give it a go. Brilliant, brilliant. That kind of takes us in nicely because obviously um, you kind of winged it to get there in the first place, but then you mentioned that you loved it. So obviously all the information, all the knowledge you accrued from studying psychology, what advice would you give to a young person who's kind of struggling with their mental health, doesn't know how to reach out for support, unsure what direction to take? What, how would you, you think, what advice would you give to them? That is a very good question indeed, because whenever I think back and look back at the position I was in in school, and that time I won it and panicked and chose psychology, I wish there was someone that had been there and said to me, look, take the foot off the brake so a second, calm down, you're spiraling out of control, you need to just relax for a wee second. If you don't get into university and if you don't get onto whatever course you're applying for, it's all going to be okay. Because at the time, I may have felt like yourself where you think it's sort of do or die. Like if you don't get into university, you're going to let down the whole family name, the heritage, everything that came before. So I would say to young people that honestly just enjoy as much of the present moment as you can and try not to worry too much about your future because you don't realize how enjoyable those days in school can be if you just take the pressure off a little bit and try to take the pressure off yourself because i would say i was definitely a big perfectionist back in the day and had to get like the best marks and tried really hard and worked really hard now i look back on it all i'm like if i did just spend a little bit more time in the present moment and enjoyed it rather than worrying so much about what would have happened if i hadn't had, then i think i would have enjoyed my whole experience a lot more but that being said it's awful to think but unfortunately mental health in young people seems to be like deteriorating and a lot of people do struggle to open up about it and i would have been one of them myself so with regards to advice to anyone who is young and struggling to open up and struggling to talk about it i would just say if you can find a trusted family member or 
even a trusted friend or even you can journal somewhere to write it down in your notes or maybe on a piece of paper. Just get those emotions out there because once you've externalized them, they're less of an internal battle. And once you get them out in the open, you say to someone, look, I'm really stressed out because of exams or I'm really stressed out because of university or I'm really stressed out because of this U class application. Then once you've got it off your chest, then it becomes a talking point and then it can become a bit of a conversation. But it is difficult to discuss these things. Yeah, no, brilliant. Thanks. And one, much of what he said there kind of does resonate uh, with my myself as well. I kind of went to school as well. I went to really, really academic school. Really, it's a kind of a one of stodgy, old-fashioned sort of Catholic grammar schools built like sort of 120, 130 years ago. It's kind of like... <laughs> Not much has changed. Oh, yeah. No, it's... Uh... <laughs> Sort of like they were really, really keen on me. Brilliant, you got a brilliant education there, and don't get me wrong. Like, but I definitely, I re- I resonate with what you're saying there with that pressure. You know, you kind of feel at such a young age because you kind of look back, you know, at the, you know, the responsibility it's kind of foisted on a lot of young people to get their future. You know, in order, especially if they've come from a background uh, from a family, you know, a bit like yourself that really, really emphasizes education. Like, then you know, here looking to get the university, you know, get get all that sorted. So it's kind of it's a lot of pressure for. 16 year old to take you know and i kind of think back at how immature i was at 16 i'm kind of like i really had all this responsibility kind of foisted for carving my future you know and this kind of um the manner that was kind of set before me it's it's a, it's a lot it's certainly a lot of pressure and you're not the first one to mention that i've spoken to that's kind of spoke about that sort of perfectionistic pressure that comes from like um academic achievement and you know um the, the kind of need to get into university it's kind of set out for you in life in a way that, that path where it's very encouraged um anyway but yeah, no, so much of what you're saying there does resonate with me. It's definitely a very toxic environment. I think young people now, because um, obviously we're roughly around the same age, but like this kind of Gen Z generation, I have a little bit rougher, I think, in that front, because like whenever I was in school, you could just go home and I could forget about school. Obviously, you had your homework and whatever else to do, but you just game it out for a little bit or <laughs> something like that. Yeah. They, 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 uh, I didn't really have a smartphone until maybe at 13, 14. Like the first iPhone was out was, was 2009. Like I was 14, you know. So today's generation are much more technologically literate than I would have been maybe sort of 14, 15. They leave school, they go home, and then they see all these people on TikTok and stuff like that. You know, all these you know, people that are just like, oh, this is how you make millions of pounds if you don't do this. You know, you're an idiot and all, you know, and all this. So they get, there's the pressure at school. Then there's the digital pressure from these, you know, people on on the digital space kind of promoting this other sort of pressure mess. You got to join now. This is how you got to be successful. And so I, I kind of feel sorry for them enough for that's it's twin pressure almost in a way. Um, but yeah, no, very toxic indeed. It's mad. Like it's mad the stress that young people are going through now that we probably never had to experience with regards to even like being in school. I'm sure there's so many different school chats. There's so many different like school sport teams that you need to be in the right group chat to be a part of. People probably sending in text messages about their results or about what the plans are and excluding some people and including others. And I'm just so glad we never went through that year, especially if we were in primary school or secondary school. Like I'm so glad that we had a more simple time of you know, you made plans with someone's parents and you hope they follow through and like you met down at the park and things like that, like because the amount of stress and pressure and it doesn't seem like there's been any like form of a relief or escape for young people. Like it doesn't seem like there's any like preventative measures being put in place to try and discourage phone use and try to discourage them going on social media at such a young age and seeing like the TikTokers who are making a million pounds from this and the other or seeing someone's like brand new car they bought or like their sporting achievements and 
that's just wildly unfair because everyone experiences life at different times for some people like they're meant to grow at a young age and blossom into an incredible human being whilst others might get to 50 or 60 and that's whenever their time to excel becomes apparent and unfortunately whenever you're saying to someone what are you going to do with the rest of your life in five years time you need to have had a degree or finished education and then you're just taken away from the present moment and that's where a lot of people I've experienced in life are falling down is that they are so caught up in what's going on in the future what's happened in the past that they forgot to enjoy the moment right there the present and they forget to enjoy their time with their classmates and having fun and like going out at the weekends or playing sport or whatever it is they do for joy they spend so much time like somewhere else mentally yeah i know totally agree i think um i think it's it's for some reason, I can't help but escape the kind of feeling that I think are you know the norms that we get um, sort of um, passed on to us in, in in our society. I think they make it uniquely difficult to enjoy the present moment. You know, it probably it ties into kind of like you know you do have this pressure from young age to to achieve. You know, and particularly if you come from a family that really emphasizes education, that that's by by from a very young age you're already thinking about the future. And anyway, you've probably grown up, you know, and for really for most of your kind of conscious life thinking about the future you know you haven't really had time to enjoy the present moment because you're kind of thinking of oh well i don't want to do this because it doesn't help my future or you know there's no way i'm going to enjoy that it's not going to get me anything in the long run you know that that was my self-dialogue for a lot of time you know in a way and i kind of look back and i think i realized that i didn't maybe enjoy the present moment as much as i i should have so that's something i'm really keen on so i definitely hear what you're saying there i think i'm really keen of driving home the message that look you know enjoying the present moment is it's absolutely key you know in a way not every it's okay to have long-term plans and ambitions i have them you know you have them yourself you know we all have them but i think enjoying the present if you're increasing your ability to enjoy the present moment kind of helps you develop as a human being you know because if you're constantly focused on the long-term plan you miss out on some opportunities that might be able to teach you something along the way i think absolutely yeah like you're missing out on some really core memories in life that should be very special and should mean a lot and are things that you'll look back on hopefully later in life with great happiness but you see so many people that you're talking to and you just see them staring off into the distance stressing out about something or anxious about something or worried about what's going to happen next or they'll even prevent plans from occurring in the first place because they're worried about something that maybe hasn't happened or isn't likely to happen um one thing i found as well is that the impact that COVID has had on our like psychological and physical well-being is going to be unimaginable for years to come because so many young people were told stay at home don't socialize don't do this don't do that like you could end up killing your elderly family or someone you care about who's vulnerable and it's just so hard to know how much of uh like deteriorating effect that's had on countless young people and people our age and people older than us and so on and so on yeah no completely agree i think COVID, you know, nobody expected it to come. You know, I, I kind of still, I still remember, you know, that the news report in like sort of circa December 2019, that was like, oh, this Italian doctor has <laughs> caught it. And I was like, oh, it's, it's still in Italy. Like, it's not going to come here. And then what, a month later, it was in the UK. I was like, what? That's it's transpired really quickly. I still remember like all of the kind of news reports and sort of beginnings of the COVID pandemic. But yeah, it's, it's really unleashed kind of like a, it's made us rethink a lot of things, you know, um, I think as a, as a species and where, where we're going and all that and how our society should be structured. It's definitely kind of like drove home that there's massive inequalities, you know, there's, there's inequalities with access to 
physical health services, there's inequalities with access to mental health services, all manner of things that really need to be addressed. And I think we're always simmering under the surface, obviously, like we always are before COVID, but I think COVID kind of brought them completely to the fore. And that kind of takes us in nicely to sort of the next question here. What have your own kind of mental health struggles um, taught you about the nature of mental health? You know, whenever you've gone through them, what what, what have they shown you? What, what, what have you realized kind of like going through them? Yeah, this comes back in very well with our own discussion about being present and being in the present moment and enjoying life for what it is and not what it could be or what you want it to be. I would say I've always been a little bit on the anxious side or a little bit stressed out. I moved from Galway back in 2008 whenever the big financial crash happened. So we moved up to Bangor and we lived there for a few years. And then my mum and my dad both split up, unfortunately. So then that led to me being a little bit stressed, a little bit anxious, but I never addressed those issues because I was so involved in my studies and I was so focused on doing well in school and being the best rugby player I could have been that that took up all my time and all my cognitive like resources essentially. And I never realized that I was just constantly staying busy and constantly doing things as a form of escapism and a form of distraction and never addressing the issues fully until I came back from Australia about three years ago. And unfortunately one of my flatmates who I lived with, he took his own life. And that left us all incredibly traumatized and very depressed and very anxious. So all those like emotions and struggles that I said leading up to it were then exacerbated beyond belief. And the serious, serious, serious like pit of depression at times. And I think it was about a month, maybe even longer afterwards that I sort of thought to myself, right, I can't keep distracting myself. I can't keep like I was. I'll be honest, having a lot of alcohol at the time, and we were not in a good way. We were zombies of our former self. I tried to get back to work, and I couldn't even work. I was completely disengaged from the present moment, couldn't focus on anything I was doing. And that then led to my partner saying to me, Adam, have you ever considered going to the therapist I'm going to? Because we were both there that day, sadly. And I was very argumentative as you would be when you're confronted with the harsh truth. So after a few months, they then said I was ready to get on board with a therapist who I owe an absolute lot to. And she was incredible. She's a cognitive behavioral therapist and she is the lifeline for me. And without her, I have no idea where I'd be today or what I would be doing or who knows what. It's very hard to imagine life without her, but she sent me down the right path of helping with regards to seeing a doctor and then starting on sertraline, which is an antidepressant, which really helped at the time. It sort of relieves some of the immediate stresses and like the problems you face. She then encouraged me to get back into training and get back exercising, which I over time eventually did. I stopped the beer for the barbell and I got back on the horse and I realized after a few months, unfortunately, that every time I went to train, I felt a lot of pain and I had a inguinal hernia it's called and I've never had an injury from training in my life but I then looked down at my groin every day and I was like what on earth is that and immediately you go worst case scenario you're like yeah it's it's cancer that's it I'm done like all the stress of everything that's gone on of and at the time it was during COVID so I couldn't get a doctor's appointment and eventually one day I was so sick from it like physically sick I had to go to A&E and that's when they told me it was an inguinal hernia 
And after a little bit of like looking up on Google and asking a few friends who are doctors, they told me that it was probably a direct result of the stress. So it was almost like internal stress had externalized and pushed to the surface. And that was then another year of like a constant reminder of what went on. And it was back and forth to the therapist, with the counselor, with the doctor, a lot of family support. They were there for me throughout the entire process, no matter how difficult I was to be around or how hard it was to love me. They were there for me throughout and my partner was as well and my friends and I owe them all a lot. But I would just say like, there is light at the end of the tunnel and just to try to be as resilient and persistent as humanly possible. And unfortunately, in the face of events like that, that we may experience in our lives, it seems like there is no light at the end of the tunnel, but if you keep persevering and if you keep pushing through and you try everything you can, then eventually things will get a little bit better and you will open yourself up to allowing to be helped. And over time, it's not a pretty process, but over time, it definitely does improve. And here we are a few years later where I'm more than happy to talk about it all and experience my struggles with other people because I know if people in my life at that time hadn't discussed their struggles with me, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. If I had to face that alone and not hear of anyone else's problems and not seek any help, it's hard to imagine where I'd be with regards to my own mental well-being and my physical well-being. Oh, thank you so much for that. Um, that's actually you know, a really inspiring story. You know, in many ways, I think um, you know um, I can't imagine how that must have felt um, whenever your your friend committed suicide. I'm sure, um, like a lot of suicides, I think uh, I've experienced some before myself. It's kind of like it comes out of the blue, you know, like you maybe didn't expect that to happen, and all of a sudden there's this new reality kind of foisted on you. You don't know how to deal with it. It's just so that's a really inspiring, you know, story. I think. Um, what was there any kind of you mentioned kind of um whenever your uh your partner kind of su suggested to you do you want to go to the therapist and then you were you're kind of resistant a bit resistant and kind of a bit argumentative at first about going to it. what do you think was the source of resistance to, to, to going to therapy was there anything you kind of like oh no i don't feel like i needed i'd rather get through this without therapy what 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 sort of stopped you from kind of like taking you up on your partner's advice initially at least i think it was a two-pronged like denial on my part, I think in one sense, I was in complete denial and rejection. Like I just rejected the idea that I was not okay and that I was depressed and that I did feel so down and that I wasn't myself anymore. So in that regard, I was like immediately affronted almost. I was like, you can't believe you're even suggesting that I'm not okay. I'm fine. I've been through many things in my life and I'll get through this on my own. I don't need the help from others. And then I think on the other side of that as well is that there is definitely still a stigma for men seeking mental health like services and seeking a counselor and seeking a therapist. So even though none of my friends ever said it to me in my own head, I thought to myself, mm, you know, I don't need help. I'm a, I'm a guy, I can do this on my own. And like, I think people will judge me if I go and talk to someone and you're just almost worried of that judgment that doesn't exist. You are a little bit fearful. Like I said, early on the podcast like you're worrying about something that isn't even going to happen like you're not even going to face any judgment or anything offensive from any friends with regards to seeking help and i don't know if you've ever seen it but i'm currently watching the sopranos which is unbelievable because he's like a kingpin math rules the new jersey roost and he's going to a therapist every session and i'm just laughing so much i'm like there's the toughest man in the whole of the united states at that time 
the whole like the world and he's speaking to a therapist about his emotions and his feelings and his struggles and i feel like that's the message we need to get across is like it doesn't matter how tough you think you are or how resilient or how much of a man's man you think you may be or how much of an independent individual you are regardless of your gender regardless of your ethnicity regardless of your religion i think everyone should have access to mental health help at the same way they would have access to a doctor it should be as simple as going down to whatever local hospital you may have or doctors or gp or whatever and being like look i need to speak to someone and they'll take your details and the next hour you should be in an appointment and you should be able to talk to someone that should show that there is help but unfortunately we are being let down quite a lot with regards to the mental health services that are provided for young people and old and middle-aged and it is such a shame because suicide is still the number one killer for people aged under 45 and i have witnessed it firsthand and i'm like thankfully i was able to financially support myself to go through the therapy and pay for the cognitive behavioral therapist but I'm sure there are so many out there that can't and it just seems so immoral and so wrong that I was in a position where I could help myself but someone else may not be. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much for that. I think um, I could completely agree with everything there. I think the I think the lack of accessibility um, to services for a lot of people um, is, is something that was really drove home, I think, by the pandemic. I think, um, you know, like because like you said, therapy is expensive. You know, I did go to therapy myself as well. It is, you know, it's, it's not cheap. You have to pay for it yourself and all the rest of it. Um, and, and a lot of people can't afford to do that, especially with the sort of increasing cost of living crisis and all the rest of it. You know, it probably was difficult enough for people before the, for a lot of people before the pandemic, but it's made doubly difficult now, I think, since the pandemic with inflation and all that. So that's one of the, the, the main driving factors behind Maxim and what we're trying to do. It's kind of like, you know, we want to, because there is that stat that goes around to kind of like 80% of mental health problems are manifest by the age of 18. So like we we want to to, to get as as many adequate resources to young people as possible at a, the youngest possible age. You know, And I get them involved with kind of thinking about their mental health and thinking about all that at, at the youngest possible age. So that by the time they're in their 20s, because look, this is life. Life's going to throw curveballs at you wherever you come from. You can be sure there will be struggle. But I think, you know, by the time they get the dream and the vision would be that by the time those young people get to age 25 35 45 they have they're better equipped to deal with you know um everything that happens in life you know they've they've been been instilled with the correct cultural values you know with some of the things you mentioned there you know if you're a guy you know saying oh i don't need help or anything like that you know getting rid of that it's not a it's not a good mentality at all it's just it's just a barrier to 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 self-improvement and insight it's just you know like it just needs to go i think and opening yourself up to you know allowing yourself to be helped by other people and you're realizing that we're all sharing one planet, you know, and we have, if you go through life just with empathy, compassion, you know, and caring for your fellow human being and treating everyone, you know, as equal and meeting everyone where they're at, you know, going through life with those values and also just ensuring that they have the, you know, the facilities, you know, so not only access to the materials that would be useful if they're going through some mental health struggles, but also, you know, the right techniques and insights to resilience, for example, you know, so by the time they're 25, 35, they're much more resilient than say maybe I would have been at 25 or you know, 15, you know, that sort of thing. So I think that's 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 really the guts of what we're trying to do here at Maxim. And I think it's it's I think it's crucially important to be honest, because I kind of think back 
Um, I don't know what it was like at your school. Um, your school experience might have been different, but I think, like in my school, there was no like, there was no people coming in being saying, "Watch about watch your. This is how to watch your mental health. This is how to do. This is all the techniques." Obviously, we got sex education. You got don't beware of alcohol and drugs and all the rest of that. I'm sure you've experienced it. It's kind of like, but there was no like, you know, um, comparison group kind of coming in being like, "Here's the best strategies for." You know, dealing with your mental health, you know, mental health and, and ill mental health was not spoken about nearly as much whenever I was going through school. And that doesn't feel that long ago. I mean, I only went left school in what sort of 2013, 2014. I mean, like there's that's still kind of like quite a modern time, you know, like, I mean, there'd been a few iPhones and all out by that point. I think like, you know, there was no groups coming in, you know, no initiatives coming in being like, here's how to deal with your mental health. We obviously got all the traditional stuff like the sex ed and watch out for alcohol and all, but Really, like, there was nowhere near as much drive to, to do the same for mental health. No, I couldn't even recall a discussion or a conversation I had with any, like, staff members or any teachers at the school about what was going on with mental health and, like, things to look out for. And, yeah, looking back on it all, I'm completely at a blank. I don't think we received... We maybe had a few uh, workshops or tutorials or seminars or things like that or people come in, but... Honestly, like the big emphasis and the big focus was on like pi and what was the square root of eight and like things like that, that you look back on, you're like, that is so meaningless when you compare someone's mental well-being and their ability to try and perform well in a maths exam, a foundation level, <laughs> like I did. And you're like, why did it, why was there so much importance and so much focus on me trying to do well at a subject that I was completely incapable and competent at whenever... We could have had some time allocated for the incredibly important things in life, like knowing how to access resources and knowing when you need to speak to someone and knowing when you're not okay or if your friend's not okay, like telltale signs of whether someone's like suicidal ideating or if they're like, there's so many things I think back and I'm like, that would have been so much more important. But I think like you said previously, there is just a system-wide and nationwide problem with the delivery of, of like mental health services, education, and so on and so on. So what Maxim is doing is absolutely incredible because you're realizing there's a problem and instead of sitting there and twiddling your thumbs and feeling a little bit sorry for all those that have suffered, you're actually making a difference and like delivering it in a way that I think is brilliant. Like I love the idea behind it and I love the emphasis that there is placed on being present in the moment and music for anxiety and breath work to try and relieve some symptoms of stress. I just think it's absolutely fantastic. And instead of us sort of dwelling on the past and like being a little bit resentful towards the powers above that are letting everyone down, like the difference that Maxim is making is just unbelievable and incredibly inspiring. That's so good to see that people are talking about it and a discussion is being made. And that way then whenever you and I are older, We'll look at the younger generation, hopefully, and think, you know what, they weren't completely abandoned. They weren't completely lost to the iPhones and social media. They actually, there is a little bit of hope for them in the future. Yeah, no, goodness, couldn't have said it better myself. I think it's, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's crucially important. I think, um, like, one of the things I, I kind of learned from my previous job, which was I was working on a mental health charity called Threshold, and... And I was dealing with people, you know, with really acute mental health problems. It was an outpatient facility. Um, they kind of, you know, people with paranoid schizophrenia, really extreme, you know, all personality disorders and 
you know, people with a wide variety of sort of different mental health issues. And I think one of the things that kind of, I think, drew me to Maxim in the first place, I think, is because whenever you're um, dealing with an adult, you know, who's, who's you know, um, say 40 or 50 years old with severe and enduring mental illness, I think it's one, one of the things I realized was it's much, much harder to get them to to rethink like everything that they've been through. And because if, if you're dealing with someone of 40 or 50, you know, who has mental ill health and very, very severe mental ill health, I think it's much more difficult to get them to, to shift, you know, away from like, well, what, what has gotten there in the first place and look at themselves and try and look at life in a different way because you've had four or five decades of enacting the same patterns over and over and over and over and over again. So I think, that's one of the things that maybe really driven the joint maxim in the first place. I think is being able to get in, you know, to educating the youngest, provide educating and providing, you know, virtual spaces and otherwise for the the younger generation, so that they have those strategies from a younger age, as young an age as possible. Because those people that I work with and say there was a wide variety of ages, you know, people like some people were nineteen, for example, and others were like forty, all the rest of it. But I think they did. They were let down by services you know they've been let down by the way mental health services have been devised you know not just in the uk but in northern ireland really you know that's the truth like i mean the uk budget is i think or northern ireland budget is six percent expenditure on mental health you know uk is a little bit better 13 percent government spending goes to mental health which is you know it's just really it's it's it's, you don't even have to make a case for why that stat's bad it's kind of a statement in itself but i think um but yeah, I mean, they were let down. That's the truth. And that's some one thing that really made me motivated because I realized that, you know, I'd done a bit of work helping them. And there was some success, don't get me wrong. Some some things weren't so successful, but I was I got some success helping them, some of them. And yeah. that made me motivated. I was like, look, if I if I can do this for them, you know, I'd I really motivated to, to get young people kind of thinking already about their mental health so that they have the strategies and the all the rest of it before they get to acute ill mental health, you know? And I think, and it's never, like, some of the people were 19, 20, you know, so they weren't much older than maybe Gen Z are now, but I think um, they've been let down by services, and that was one of the things that just made me maybe really want to join Maxim in the first place. So I totally hear you, I think. That follows on really nicely, actually, to the next question. What change or changes would you like to see with regards to you know mental health in society, how it's treated, and what the services are? What's what's what do you think of in terms of changes you would like to see? Oh, changes I would like to see. My mind has got a thousand different thoughts, but there are countless, countless, countless changes. But I think one of the most fundamental and important changes is like starting from the ground up, like the way we're raised. I think the whole narrative, whenever if any of us ever become a parent and if any of us ever raise children or interact with young people, middle-aged people or people older than ourselves, like they need to get the point across that it's okay to not be okay. They need to get the point across that there are a wide variety of mental health illnesses out there and that any one of us could suffer at any stage. I think the statistic they're saying now is that one in four of us will experience a mental health problem, a problem with our own mental well-being at some stage in our life. That's 25%. So, I mean, like we're all going to, at some stage or another, either face it ourselves or encounter someone who is. And there just needs to be such a shift in the way we discuss it and the way we talk about it. And people from school need to be educated with regards to services available, with regards to speaking to friends. They need to be under- like understanding that it's okay to have emotions and that you don't have to be 
the best of the best or you don't have to be the troublemaker or you don't have to be anyone you don't want to be you have to be present in the moment and explain how you feel about things in schools i think they need to start offering like a far more available counseling service i remember we had a counselor that used to come into our school but i think it was one day a week and i only think one person if i recall went to that counselor and we didn't even have a clue what was going on most of the time I think there needs to be like a counselor the same way there's a nurse in every school. I think that there needs to be far more funds allocated to the mental health resources available. But unfortunately, these are all just very large problems that I cannot play that pivotal role in. But what I am aware of my capabilities are the fact that I am trying to change the way I discuss and the way I talk about my own mental well-being with my friends and my family. So I can't change the country yet but what i can do is i can start talking to people a little bit differently about mental health and i can start saying to people this is what i went through this is what helped me this is what could help you i'm not a therapist i'm not a practicing psychologist but there are so many different methods out there that are so simple and would require so little of your day that can make such a big difference like i'm now going down the route of like trying to improve people's mental well-being with some of the ways that my own mental well-being was improved because I know and I see every day like people are struggling and not to say that it's for no good reason but if you're listening to this podcast then the odds are that you've probably got a smartphone you've probably got shelter you've probably I hope got food on the table for you at home and hopefully you've got some friends and family that you can rely on but Regardless of like our needs that keep us alive, internally people may still be struggling and someone on paper could have the perfect life, but internally they could feel like they have the worst life on earth and they want to see an end to it or they feel like they're too stressed to carry on. If it might feel like they're so stressed that they just self-combust and they cease to exist, they could be so anxious or worried about what's going to happen in the future that they completely forget about the present or they could be so haunted and traumatized by their past that they can't seem to move forward and i just know personally that i can't play a massive role in changing the landscape across northern ireland like we're in a post-generational conflict um the country's been divided into for quite some time and now things seem to be getting a bit better but like then covid and then like the geopolitical landscape is always going to be depressing and it's always going to seem destructive and it's always going to seem like it's going to be the end of the world but I do know that in my own little world I can talk to my friends and I can talk to my family and I can talk to people I may only meet for one day and chat to and I can say to them if you're struggling this is what you can do to help if you're not okay these are some of the things I found helpful and the same with Maxim like you're now starting on the journey of how do we change? How do we help? How do we get people talking? You're looking at a completely different solution, which is incredible and radical. And it's something I never in a million years would have thought of, but that's because of the generation I'm from. And I think for Gen Z, it is absolutely perfect. And I think it's gonna get the ball rolling with regards to how do we utilize technology and social media and like communications, technology, like all that, how do we utilize it and make it beneficial for humanity? so that we can start enjoying it again and try and help some people along the way. Yeah, no, totally. Um, again, you know, I couldn't have, I couldn't have put it better myself. I think there's, 
I hear what you're saying, you know, about, um, you know, you kind of feel like, ah, you know, neither of us can kind of, you know, pull a lever and have like some magical pivotal influence on um, the the mental health landscape at the moment at present. But but you drove them an excellent point in terms of that we all can do a little bit within our our, our sphere of influence, if you want to call it that. I think, um, like you said, you can talk to your family, you can talk to your friends about it, you can end up. Bit by bit by bit, it'll kind of radiate outwards a little bit. Like so, we can all do a bit. I think, I totally agree. I think the the with the the sort of like, it's starting at the roots point that you made. You know, I think starting at the the education of children. I think that's the crucial factor here because a lot of values, a lot of people's values. There's there's values that contribute to poor mental health as well. You know, like and one of them being this. You know, what would you say like? hyper masculine approach to life about you know never show weakness never do that like that's one set of values that will predispose you to a lot of ill mental health you know that's one example i think so and trying to ensure that every child regardless of what gender they are um is just raised putting empathy compassion and all the rest of it first because those are the traits that make us human i think um everything else can be secondary to those you know i think and obviously they're not the whole of the human psychological experience but i think they're the most important pillars of evil i think there's you know think you know you gotta have them on every other factor like you know ambition and all the rest of it i think they can all come after those and they could be they can be built on those pillars i think if every other value is driven by those pillars i think a lot of the world this is something i said in the previous podcast episode actually um it's kind of like a lot of the world's problems would probably be rectified and um, if more and more and more people had those sort of psychological pillars in terms of you know empathy compassion and caring and all the rest of it i think a lot of the world's problems would be much easier rectified not to say they would disappear completely but a lot of them would yeah. be able to be tackled with much more not not say efficiency that's quite a cold word but i think like you know yeah just tackled with a lot more a lot more purpose and a lot more you know deep thought and less kind of less of the nonsense that people kind of get themselves entangled up in you know especially on the geopolitical scale as you alluded to there I think um so yeah, you're totally right. And it is gonna be a struggle and you know, an an arduous journey to say the least. But I think there's I'm looking forward to it personally. You know, I'm looking forward to being involved in it and doing my bit, like whatever bit I can do, you know, um, to help people and um talk about my own experiences and and Lisa, the founder of Maxim, you know, it's all it's all her idea, you know, and she's an absolute visionary, you know. And I think um and she has her own amazing story, her episodes on the podcast as well. I think um it's 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 just you just have to try and see what works, you know. I think that's that's sort of motivated to do, you know. It might who knows if it works. I think it will, and I'm motivated to try my my best. And that kind of teases up nicely, sort of um for the the, the final question here. Um what are your future plans? My future plans are a result of the past and the present. And I am currently working on uh, personal training. Well, I'm a personal trainer, personal training for five years. And now I'm trying to move on to a more online platform. And I'm trying to incorporate mental well-being as well as physical well-being. So I'm trying to ensure that people that participate in the program will benefit both mentally and physically because i think it's all good and well to try and get someone in good shape and like to get people fit and healthy and happy and there's so many benefits to resistance training like i'll never ever knock it like the amount of incredible benefits it has for your bones your heart your joints your longevity like your quality of life like it's phenomenal but one thing i always noticed in the gym was that regardless of how well i delivered a session or how happy i was 
the amount of people I would stare around at. And Monday through the Friday, they would be miserable. Um, they would be staring at the wall or they would be stressed beyond words. I've seen countless clients cry in front of me over work stress, over worrying about finances, worrying about their partner, like worrying about this, that, or the other. The list goes on and on. So what I'm now trying to do is create, uh, like I'm calling it the Mind to Muscle Masterclass. So I'm trying to highlight and show the importance of the connection between both your mind and your muscles and how it's all good and well to try and strengthen your body. But you also need to try and empower your mind at the same time in order to like reach new levels and feel better. I've been raising money for a suicide prevention charity and bereavement counseling charity called Zest. They're called Zest Healing the Hurt and they're based in Derry and they have been absolutely unbelievable to my partner and I. They have always reached out. They've held memorial dips for the day of our friend's passing. They are trying to offer the services in, like, to as many people as they can, but they said out of the 100% of funding that they require to operate as a company, well, as a charity, they only receive about 30% for the government. So that's a 70% gap that I'm trying to help fill with my fundraising efforts at the moment. I finished the half marathon there on Sunday, and now I've got a full marathon to go. So I'm doing a double marathon in memory of my friend, James McCluskey, and we're called the McCluskey's Marathon Men. And I am going to tie that type of charity work in with my own business idea, because as much as a kick as I get out of earning a wage and training people and all the rest of it, I think like the most joy I've experienced all year is like seeing the amount of money we've managed to raise. And like, I just am so buzzing at the moment that we've raised. So we reached our goal on Sunday there and like the number just keeps tallying up and tallying up. So that then brings in my like future plans. Like I want to now try and see a bit of a difference in the world and make a difference. And even though I'm starting small right now, I understand that like all great ideas like Maxim and all like incredible businesses that have a really positive impact on the world have to start small and they have to start with someone who's determined and has a vision for what they think is a better future. So I'm trying to tie in like psychological well-being methods like meditation, gratitude, journaling. I'm trying to get in people into more like cold water immersive therapy, which some people are very resilient against and really don't want to do it. I totally get it. But for me personally, I found that those two minutes in the shower after I lost my friend were like the two minutes of the day where my mind was just silent and Two years later, and I'm still practicing every day. Like I hit that cold shower every day. And see when you're standing there and just trying to breathe and breathe through your nose and breathe down to your toes and down to your fingertips is the way I like to think about it. I just feel like there's just such a nice like silence in the brainwaves. So I'm trying to like spread this message of like mental well-being and physical well-being. And I want to help provide some charities with some funds along the way. And I'm 26 now, and I love my work to bits, but I now want to try and make a bigger difference. And I want to try and also get on board. I have a cognitive behavioral therapist who I've spoken to, and she said she would love to give a quick like, 15-minute video about the services she provides and who can seek support and where they can turn to and how she can help them if they ever feel like they need it. So my big picture, big vision, big future plan is to try and like help as many people in terms of both their mental and physical well-being as I can. And I think it's the same idea as Maxim is like you're just trying to like help get the message across that 
you know, even though things may seem down and it may seem like you're stuck in a rut or you're isolated, you're alone or that no one cares about you, that like there's a community of people out there. There are like countless people out there who are trying to make a difference and trying to help, even though the help may not seem available or you may not be able to find it just yet. And it's just great to be able to like chat to someone as well who's like trying to make a difference because you're like, oh my goodness, like as much fun as it is being like a greedy capitalist, like corporate worker, I'm getting so much more of a kick out of like starting from a much smaller place and trying to work my way up and hopefully help some people along the way. Wonderful, Adam. Thank you so much. That's, um, I wish you up absolutely the best of luck with everything that you, you plan to do in the future. It sounds absolutely inspiring as well. You've really, it's clear that you've thought lots about it and you know exactly what direction to go in and you've got a plan and all the rest of it. So, um, fair play to you. Um, and I wish you all the best with that. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on to talk to you. I think this has been one of the most enjoyable conversations uh, I've had for sure. Um, I think, um, uh, your story's great and everything you've learned from all the experiences that you had and you laid it out all perfectly. So thank you very much for giving us some of your time and it's an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Oh, you too, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me and I look forward to seeing the growth of Maxim over the years and let's make the world a better place. Thank you so much for this great conversation, Barbara and Ryan. If you would like to join and share your story, please email us or reach out on our social media channels. You will find all the info in the podcast description. See you next time.